Hi friends, welcome to Everything Women Don't Talk About. I'm Melissa Picar or Melissa Flynn, however you met me. This is a show for women who want to have real conversations about the things that keep us up at night, but we're just not having them. For women who want to know they're not alone, they're not crazy, and that they have a bunch of women who want to help them tackle the tough stuff. Listen, we're all craving real, so let's do it. Let's be real. Welcome back to Everything Women Don't Talk About, and I'm Melissa Picar. Thanks for being here. So today's episode is one that will probably resonate with almost every single woman in some form or fashion, and that is about why it is so hard to love our bodies. We look in the mirror, and uh, what we see is never good enough. And I think all of us will nod at that and say, true, Um, we don't like what we see and somehow our bodies have become a measure of our success and our self-worth. And I'm actually really sad about that. Uh, And I will admit on this podcast uh, that I am insecure about my own body. And it's why I work out like a fiend and I have found a new friend in Botox and a whole lot of other stuff. And it's a bummer that we've gotten to this point. And somehow, I think instead of helping each other out, we're sizing each other up and quietly comparing ourselves to each other, which then leads to self-doubt and sadness and eating disorders. So the reality is that I think thousands of women are dealing with body shame and eating disorders right now, but we just don't talk about it with each other. Again, another conversation we're just not having because it's rooted in fear and judgment and our own baggage. So my goal today is to use this podcast to hear from two very relatable, strong women who've gone through it, um, specifically eating disorders, but they can speak to why it is so hard at times to love our bodies and um, give us some great perspective on eating, body image, and how we might be able to boost each other up versus size each other up. So with that, uh, I will turn it over to Miss Amanda, who will start by telling us a quick version of her story. Sure. Well, thanks for having us. Um, I just think this is such an important issue that we we really aren't talking about. Um, so thank you for that. So I I guess my journey started when I was very young, which I think is pretty common. You'll probably hear that from Tori as well. Um, I am a perfectionist and always have been. I had parents who held me to high standards, which was wonderful in so many ways. But um, but it manifested as um, body shame and insecurities with myself at a very young age. So um, as early as elementary school, really focused on how I looked compared to others. And um, in high school, that really turned into a full-blown eating disorder, anorexia. Um, I exercised a lot. I danced growing up. And that was really where um, the measure of my worth came from at that point in my life. It wasn't really about the eating. We, we kind of laugh about people will say, well, why don't you just eat? It was really about I wanted control over my life and I wanted to feel good that I was good enough. And when I had something very measurable and tangible, like a number on a scale or inches or sizes for clothing, that was how I could measure how good I was and am. And so I I went through treatment in high school. I was very fortunate to have incredibly um, supportive parents who were pretty progressive in getting me help. I went on to go, you know, I went to college and got married and have two awesome boys. 
But it is something that while I am in treatment, I struggle with to, to this day, um, which is so incredibly frustrating after you do a lot of hard work to, um, to value yourself and find where your worth lies. Um, to still have to fight it every day is pretty frustrating. But I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that oh, no. those who have been diagnosed, but then those who... Just, just women probably feel that daily, and and we don't talk about it, which I think is crazy that we all go home and have the same thoughts and feel so alone when it's probably the majority of people. Isn't that strange? It's crazy to be among so many, and yet we don't talk about it. Yeah, right? we all stare in the mirror and think, oh, not good enough, whatever. What? And then we don't talk to each other because then it's like admitting to somebody else that I don't feel very good about myself. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, okay. And also assuming that everyone else feels okay about that. I don't know that I even think about the fact. Like when you say that you struggle with that issue as well, like to me, and I think we, I told you this earlier that I don't see you that way at all. And it would like, it shocks me to think about the fact that you don't, that you feel that way about yourself. So like, why does that even shock me? Interesting. Right? Well, that's we're not because talking I'm about not talking about it. Right. Well, because nobody's <laughs> talking about it, not nobody. just you. Yes, no, but you're right. Thank you for that. Tori, yes. you want to weigh in and tell us your story? Sure. Um, I was just nodding my head with everything that Amanda said. Um, I can relate to so, so much of everything you just said, um, which is so interesting because uh, eating disorders are so different, but so similar as well. Like they manifest themselves so differently with every person. Yet when you get to the core, it's they're so similar. Um, and I hear that at, when I decided to kind of go public with my eating disorder on Facebook a few years ago, um, so many people reached out to me and said, yeah, I'm feeling the same way. And I got so many um, messages on Facebook saying, thank you for, for sharing your story. I feel the same way. Um, so anyway, I was just saying I could relate to everything you said. Um, similar for me, mine started uh, in in middle school. It actually, you, you hear a lot of people say um, it just kind of happened or I went on a diet and you don't really, um, you don't expect it obviously to turn into anorexia. Um, that's not what happened for me at all. I watched a movie, a made for TV movie, lifetime movie and health class about eating disorders, um, about anorexic Lexi. And I left that that day saying, I want to do that. So it was a conscious choice for me, um, which you don't you don't hear often. And I think that's a it's a really hard thing for me to admit because I've fought for many, many years, for decades at this point, um, to um, convince people that anorexia is a disease and not a choice. Um, yet when I go back to that day, it was a conscious decision for me to decide I want to cut my calories today and I want I want to be anorexic. What, what made you decide you needed to do that? Or so do I that? had been self-harming or cutting for a while and um, it, just, it just wasn't cutting it. Like, because no, you felt so bad about yourself. Yeah, was I was. was at the root? I, my self worth was 
and the negatives. I hated myself. I read my journals now back to when I was 12 and 13. And it is, there's one in this journal I, I read recently. Um, it, it's Sark. I don't know if you ever heard of Sark, but she has um, these journals that are like interactive almost and they have prompts. And one is write a love letter to yourself. And I said, my first, I was 12 or 13. And the first thing I said was, this isn't gonna be a love letter. It's gonna be a hate letter to you, Tori. Mm-hmm. And, and I put comma Tori and I wrote a hate letter to myself in seventh grade. And I still have that journal. I just, I just found it recently. Um, and that's where I was. I, I just hated myself and cutting wasn't working. And I thought, well, I don't know, let's try anorexia and see if that works. And um, well, it did because it became an obsession. It became an addiction and I am 31 and dealing with it again still to this day. Wow. Gosh, I appreciate you both sharing, and I'm so sorry for what you've had to go through because it's a journey. Like, there's no end to it, kind of like any addiction or any uh, disease, whatever we want to call this. I guess, you know, the thing that strikes me is that for women listening too, right, it's not always as extreme as bulimia, anorexia, et cetera. I know that. But I do think that the range is there. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people restrict what they eat. I think a lot of people, um, you know, it's no carbs, it's no this, it's no that, Mm -hmm. it's no that. But I think we all agree that body image is a huge, huge issue in culture, in our culture. So this notion of being too soft, too squishy, too big, not toned enough, not whatever size, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever the issue is. So I guess my question to both of you is how did we lose focus and how did we let negative self-talk take over? Because I would think the women who are listening we all have this negative self-talk, I would imagine most everybody. So how do we let it take over as opposed to the flip? Like, is it cultural? Is it family? Is it, what is it? How do we let ourselves get to this point where literally every day it's, what am I gonna put in my mouth? Have I worked out enough? Do I fit in my clothes? So what do y'all think? What do you wanna answer that one? Um, yeah, I think that it is a distraction from other things that we are insecure or sad about, really. Um, I think that our culture has made things very superficial because the deeper stuff is harder to deal with, honestly. Um, that you're, you know, it's much easier to get into a room of women and talk about, you know, clothes and, um, you know, your size, well, we don't talk about our size, but you know, to talk about superficial stuff is easier. Your hair looks so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or did you, you know, I got this new, you know, hair spray or yeah. where'd you get your top? I love it. Yeah. 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 That kind of thing. Oh, right. Um, it's just easier to have those conversations. And so it keeps things very surface. It's, it, I mean, it's why you have this podcast because we don't, there's a lot of deep, hard stuff that is much easier to just kind of brush under the rug and, and talk about more surface things. So I'm curious, let's, let me ask you. So yeah. you were, you told, uh, you told us and me mm-hmm. that you had started this and, and started feeling bad about yourself as early as elementary school. Mm-hmm. Was it deep seated or do you feel like you started seeing girls compare each other? Was it that you looked bigger? Like, was it something you read kind of like what you mm-hmm. had seen Tori? 
I mean, because at some point, right, let's say you're a mom listening mm-hmm. and you're thinking, what can I do to protect my daughter from, from going down this path? So what, what was it? Yeah, I grew up, I was very fortunate to grow up in a, in a great neighborhood um, and great family. But with that came a school where girls were pretty image conscious and it was definitely about um, having the right brands, wearing the right things, looking the right way. It was very image conscious early on. I mean, very early on. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's a specific to, you know, where my family was, it, you know, the area that I grew up in. I'm, I'm guessing not. But yeah, that comparison started super early. And so that coupled with, you know, generationally, we didn't talk about stuff at all. Um yeah. in my family and and my family came by it honestly their parents didn't talk about things and their parents didn't talk about things mm-hmm. so it was it was ingrained in our family and and we had to work really hard over the years to fight that through a lot of therapy right i mean a lot of talking but when we started we have this image conscious world that i was growing up in coupled with you know a culture that didn't support girls, I don't think in their emotional health and in my family where we weren't equipped to talk about things. So kind of all that together for me mm-hmm. manifested in Got these it. behaviors. I don't know if it does that for everybody, but for me, that's, sure. I think the recipe that kind of made like it all majors. go boom. Yeah. How about yours, Tori? And why do you think too, that going back to the question that we've kind of like, as a culture, as a society, I mean, as women, we sort of suck at this. Like I mm-hmm. suck at this, like the negative self-talk and I'm pretty like happy with myself, but boy, there's a whole lot of negativity in there, like smaller, better toner, whatever. We're gonna, like, talk to me about that from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. We, all we hear is, um, is things about your body, right? Like you hear, you look at Instagram, you look at Facebook and I'm, I'm constantly comparing myself. I, it's so hard to admit too, because that's like not the type of person I am. Um, but it's just, it's innate really to just compare yourself. Um, for me, it was uh, a little bit different. And I, this is something I think I had uh, mentioned in one of the emails we sent back and forth. Um, I, the media was not necessarily part of my eating disorder um, or isn't part of my eating disorder. It's not something um, like I didn't look at magazines and think I want to look like Taylor Swift or I want to look like Kim Kardashian or whomever, you know, it was a while ago. So whoever it was at the time for me, it was, I want to be the best at my eating disorder. I want to be the sickest. Mm -hmm. I don't want a single person to look at me and tell me that I look good. I want every single person to look at me and tell me I look disgusting and think I'm scared for her. And I am worried she's going to die. And she looks so unhealthy. So was it attention seeking? It was. Yeah, it was. It was attention seeking, but negative attention only. I didn't want positive attention. It was only negative attention. Um, and talking about it, it makes me think that it's similar to when kids would just act out, you know, and throw tantrums or something for negative attention. Um, but instead of throwing a tantrum, uh, that wasn't my style, right? My tantrum was I'm going to starve myself to the point that I need hospitalization and I'm legitimately close to death. And um, and I got that negative attention from my, from my family, from my peers. 
um, it wasn't worth it, you know, looking, <laughs> yeah. looking back. And yeah. I didn't, I certainly didn't know I was doing that at the time. And, um, I, I think I remember even probably my sisters and my parents saying like, she's just doing this for attention. And that got me defensive. Like, mm-hmm. cause in, in the moment I'm not thinking I'm doing this for attention. Right. I don't know what's going on. I'm 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Right. Why, why, what's happening right now? Sure. Um, so it's all this to come, come back as eating disorders can be so different. And for me, at least it was less of a body image thing and more of a, like, I want to be the absolute best. And it just, it became a legitimate addiction and it's to this day, an obsession and addiction. And it's something that if like at a dinner today with my four children and husband, Sometimes it's hard for me to eat and I'll do it. I, I have to do it. Um, I'm breastfeeding my seven month old. Like I absolutely have to stay, you know, eating, but it's, it's not easy. It's so it can be, it can just be so a, a huge spread of, of why it happens. Well, and it's, so I'll, I'll give a personal example of something that makes me laugh about myself. It's not funny, but it is to me, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you don't realize that you feed on the little comments that people mm, say too yeah, and it sure. fuels it so yeah, like yeah. i remember since i was since i was young i've always been called tiny mm. like so i'm a small person in general yeah okay so i'm in my mid-40s now and it's harder to stay tiny this just in right <laughs> in, case, in case you're in your in yeah. case you're starting to hit that it is much different than yes. it used to be my yeah. metabolism was like, so now yeah. i wait for people to say oh but you're so tiny it is a thing because yes. I was always called tiny. Yes. So if people don't say you're tiny, I'm like, I want to look at them and go, are you saying I'm not tiny? Yeah, right. it's because it is, it is my own identity, right? <laughs> it is my it's your identity, right? Yeah. Or you'll have people come up to you and say, oh, you, you, I hear them say it to other people, not me, but like, you've lost so much weight. That feeds your brain to say, oh, good. I am better because I have we lost have so much trained, weight. Yeah, I think we have trained ourselves to make that a go-to comment, yes. right? And And... Then it, I think, self. It's a self fulfilling prophecy because then we're looking for people. That's right. Who have lost weight so that we comment on that to make them feel good. That's right. Yes. I mean, I think we genuinely think that's a that's a positive thing. Right. Right. Um, when you're right, it feels pretty it, awful. It's such a messed up way. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, I feel too thoughts. old to be caring. If that makes any sense, but right. yep. that's part of the discussion is that mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever too old no. because I know quite a few older women, yes. we're talking 70s, still dealing with this stuff. So I guess my next question for us is, let's talk about the phrase that I hate the most, other than self-care, which is my new <laughs> thing. Like somebody tell me to self-care and I'm right. like, just give me, yeah, yeah. you and me in a small room. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, the phrase, just love yourself, Yeah. in and of itself, I think it's a great concept. And honestly, I admire women I see who are so, I mean, I'm comfortable in my skin in a lot of ways, but about this, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I don't love myself this way. And I'd be lying. I think if I said, but to say, just love yourself when we are taught every day, size, whatever is better, work out all the time. Don't eat that. I ate this. I did this. And you're looking in the mirror and then say some to somebody, just love yourself. Mm-hmm. As I told you earlier, I feel like it's just so trite. It's like a throwaway. I'd rather know what does this really mean to you and what is a realistic way to talk to people about this? Because you have gone through it. You're still dealing with it. But I don't believe just love yourself is 
I mean, maybe when you start getting older and, all, and you're like, listen, I just don't give an F. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gone. What the fuck? I'm out. Yep. Like, I just, I don't care. But I do believe it's an issue. Like, just throwing that at people, I actually think it's it's almost like a mind mess. So talk it's to like, me about the phrase. <laughs> it's so demeaning almost because when I hear that, it's like, it, it, it makes me think like, is it that easy for you to just love yourself? Mm-hmm. And then I get in my own head and I'm like, how come I can't just love myself? What's wrong with me? So I can, every time I hear something like that or just eat like we were talking earlier or um, it's in like, you're too old for this is another one or you have babies to think about is another one. Um, every time I hear yeah. things like that, the immediately I think, what is wrong with me and why can't I? So it's, it just turns into a negative thing and it's it's there's nothing positive that comes from that. Right. Um, now, I'm only speaking for myself and so that doesn't mean that everyone feels that way, of course. Um, but for me, it's like, it's, can what, what I would rather them say is um, kind of what we were talking about earlier of like, I, I would, what really I would rather somebody ask me a more specific question question about my life and get to the point where they or like ask me something that they care about. So those are the people that I've become better friends with in at this age, people who will text me things like specific to how's how's Pepper doing is th- this happening? I don't I don't know whatever it is. Pepper is my my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um and instead of like just these phrases that don't mean anything. Yeah. I want to get to like the deep root of how are you feeling? Um, and don't tell me to love myself. Don't tell me how to live my life in general. Maybe I don't want to love myself right now. And that's okay too. Right. Um, just talk to me as, as a person and don't give me this bullshit. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I appreciate that you want me to feel better. But it almost feels um, condescending because that means yeah. that, have you got yourself all figured out? Yeah. I'd rather us have a real conversation like, really? Because I'd love to know your formula because I don't have it. Yeah. Right? It almost yeah. makes me want to say how and then put it back on them and make it awkward. Like, <laughs> like just love yourself. Can you tell me how to do that? Because I don't love myself. And that's how I want to respond to somebody, to these people sometimes. Yeah. So I think huh. that a way that we can help each other is to... Instead of saying, well, just love yourself, why don't you tell someone what you love about them or what you see that's good in them and encourage them very specifically, like Tori said. You know, I don't think you have to address the insecurities, but go to the positive and say, hey, I love you because you are a great friend and you're great at reaching out and encouraging me. Or I see you as really strong. You're a mom of four and I know what that takes. That's amazing. Um, you know, let's look for the positives and build people up so that they may not see it themselves, but at least they hear from someone else something specific and genuine, mm-hmm. not trite, not you could say it to anybody, but yeah. something that shows I Absolutely. see you and I know your heart and here's what is good about you. Whether or not that person receives it, we can't control that, but yeah. it's far more personal and more um, authentic than these throwaway 
you know, just love yourself. Go get some self care. Right. Get some self. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll get a manicure. And after that, I'll still feel like crap. (laughs) But my nails will look good. Right. Right. That is exactly how people are like, get some self care. I'm like, okay, so I go to a spa and then I leave and I go back to work and deal with my kids and I still feel like crap about myself. Or I sit at the spa stressed about all the things that I don't like. Or I'm, you know what I mean? Like, Like, or you're getting a massage and you're thinking, yeah. Oh man, I should have worked out more. I'm like, For sure. I'm like naked yeah. getting a massage. And you, you, as much as you don't want to say all these things, you yeah. do think all these things, of course, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that advice is so solid because I remember somebody yeah. saying, try not to give people, and now it's hitting me as you're saying mm-hmm. it, try not to give people compliments that are based on their looks as opposed yes. to the person. Agreed. Yes. I admit, I'm guilty of that. Like, sure, I mean, we I all are. All the time, but like, you look terrific and someone's like, yes, as opposed to, or even with kids, you know, they say don't. Don't say to kids, you did a great job. Say, I can tell that you worked really hard at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. flipping it. I don't think about that, though, as it relates to women. I think that's really smart to try to start mm-hmm. giving each other feedback that's not about looks. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. So I guess I'm also curious about your perspectives about staying honest with yourself and positive. I'll tell you, I stopped in all transparency for this podcast. I stopped following anybody on Instagram. Instagram mm-hmm. who only puts pictures of their face because I'm, I'm so tired of self. I don't, I don't do selfies. It's not my thing, but, um, who only puts picture, put pictures of their face or themselves in clothes or at gyms, yeah. um, or celebrities that only put the pictures that I know they have worked like forever to get to look. I just, for edited, for edited, so edited. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate so much that there are now, there's now a designation. I don't know if you all heard it, but, but it's being talked about uh, in the news about digitally unaltered photos. So mm. they'll say if it's digitally, it's mm-hmm. going to designate digitally unaltered so that you can see this is a real thing, mm-hmm. yeah. which I appreciate as a woman because uh-huh. I think we need to go um, in that direction. Mm-hmm. But I stopped following people because it was messing with my mind about how I felt about myself. And I started myself, like, starting off every day, flipping up stuff and starting to compare myself. I'm like, stop. I care about people. I care about life. Mm -hmm. I don't want to look and just be, like, smaller, bigger, better. That is just not what I should be doing. It's not healthy. So I literally took a day. And it was like, you know, kind of how you you purge your Gmails or whatever to get rid of junk. I literally just started unfollowing everything because I'm like, you can be healthy, Melissa. Or you can do this to yourself right. every day. Right. And, you know, with my own personal trainer that I have at my house every day to just stay right. Right. perfectly fit. Yeah. I mean, it's just not realistic. And frankly, that's not how I want to live my life. But mm-hmm. I'm curious as to you and how you both, having gone through what you've gone through, what do you do, like, when you face tough moments? How do you keep perspective? What do you do to, like, help yourselves? Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one because... Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I still deal with my anxiety in unhealthy ways. So, and my husband and I, we still talk about my eating disorder to this day, right? I definitely will, if, if something makes me mad or, uh, one of the things I deal with a lot is, um, like if I feel embarrassed or guilty about something, those are two emotions I don't deal with very well. So um, anxiety, embarrassment, and guilt are the three that I just that kill me. And I, a lot of times, I'm like, well, I'm, just, I could just not eat. Like that could fix everything. Mm-hmm. But 
I can't. I can't end up back in, in the hospital. I ha- have four children. I have a job. I have a husband. I have a mortgage. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't. How, how is my daughter going to get milk? You know, like, <laughs> it's just not a reality anymore. When I was younger, um, so I've been in uh, either inpatient or residential uh, eight times oh from the age of, the first one was right after I turned 14, and then the last one was right after I graduated college. Um, she took me seven years to graduate college because I had to take five medical withdrawals. To, so I was very in and out. And um, that was easy because I was just, it was just school and my parents, I was on my parents' insurance and I was like, I'll just take a medical withdrawal because I'm not doing very well. And I could go and get myself together and be good enough to go back to school for a semester. And then, okay, it didn't work out. Well, that's not the reality anymore. So I have to have better coping mechanisms. Um, I would say the way that I deal with my pos- or deal with it and stay positive is um, being very lucky to have a husband that I can communicate with and talk to him about how I feel all the time and doesn't tell me to you know just eat or just love yourself or why are you like this. Um, we we went through a lot of time where I had to convince him that it's a real disorder because people don't get it, right? If, if you've never been around somebody with an eating disorder, especially someone who looks in, from the outside so put together um, and intelligent, I, I feel like I try to portray myself as very intelligent. And then, so when people hear that about you, they're like, that's not, no, Tori, you're smarter than that. You, you're better than that. Um, Which so is more pressure. You know, more pressure, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. So um, we definitely went through stages in the beginning of a relationship where I had to convince him, like, this is a real thing. This is a serious disorder. Um, and now I think that just having an open communication, open dialogue, being open about it on Facebook was a huge step for me. Um, so now every year on like National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, I can post something and be open about it. And it's it's just so freeing I think to be able to be open about it and be able to come do a podcast which you know five years ago would have been crazy like I would never be so open about this um and I be proud I think (laughs) I I think um just having that open communication is really the way that I'm able to stay so it's find somebody if it's not your husband find somebody exactly I mean I think for, for people not as extreme, I still think it's the same Oh, thing. absolutely. So I'll be absolutely. honest with you. Yeah. It's just like having a friend or somebody you can say, like, I feel awful about myself today. To be able to utter those words is brave, and it's hard. It is. I think, so I have a, a story that may be surprising. This was in the past, this happened in the past two years. So pretty recent. And I've been in recovery for 20 years now. Um, wow, congratulations. My, thank no. you. Well, and, and in recovery, it, it is, a, as of you course, know, right? It's course. a struggle, but, but yes. Yeah. So, just probably in the past two years, I found myself weighing myself every day. And for me, that is not healthy. I know, and it's individual to everyone, but for me, I knew that that was not a healthy habit. And I was far too focused on the number. And one day, I went to get on the scale again, and it didn't work. I'm like, that's weird. And my husband was in our room and I said, Eric, is our scale broken? And he just said, nope. And I said, did you take the batteries out? 
And he said, I did. And that was the end. That was the end of that conversation. We did talk about it later. But that level of accountability for someone who saw me and knew that that was a habit for me personally that was not healthy and to step in and be my advocate in a way that was very non I mean, he wasn't judging me. He didn't... He was taking care of me. He was taking care of me. And in my case and in your case, Tori, we are so blessed to have husbands who are supportive and who understand. But that could be for anyone. Find your person who sees you and and knows what your triggers are. And won't right. judge you and say eat or just be or say you look great the way you are. Stop it. Right. Yeah. Just be real. Yeah. <laughs> just be real. But right. have someone who you trust, who not only you can be honest with, but who can be honest with you and call you out when they see things that they know are not normal for you. You two are awesome. I yeah. have. I have to just um, jump in because I have such a similar story where mm-hmm. I came home one day. My my husband's um, a lot more dramatic than that. Um, so I came home one day, um, and my husband took my scale and took a hammer to it in our garage. <laughs> and he that's was, one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. he literally <laughs> smashed my scale with a hammer. And uh, there was like pieces everywhere in our garage, and that was how he dealt dealt with it. So he was a little bit more angry. It I worked think, though um, <laughs> about it. I was um, very like like you, very obsessed with that number. I was every day, all day, like before I pee, after I pee, before I eat, after I eat, before mm-hmm. I shower. I, I literally was on the scale before I shaved my legs and then after I shaved my legs to see if there was a difference. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. But you know what? The, what's interesting about that to me is that, you know, it affects what we haven't talked about and we have to close, unfortunately. But I think it's something to think about. We have others in our lives that our eating issues affect too. And it doesn't have to be an eating disorder. I mean, I happen to have someone close to me who the eating challenges affect everything. Because if you're not eating that, likely they're not eating that. Or if you're looking at their plate, they're looking at their plate. So I do think it's like, it's worth us taking a step back too and saying, okay, who else are we affecting? Our kids? Yes. Our friends? Um, What can we do to instill something positive? So I guess in close, I think that, I think going to find your person is really important, and I love that takeaway. Also, finding ways to talk to somebody that's real without silly catchphrases that mean nothing and actually make us feel worse. We're just all human beings, right? In a culture full of judgment and fixing of videos and photos, and and we all just really want to be good people, but this whole infusion of like how you look is overlaid on everything. I mean, I admit, I shouldn't care that I have lines all over my face now. That's called aging. But I'll, t- I'll be honest with you, I stare in the mirror and I think, gotta get Botox. So, sure, yeah. And that's, that is just real life. So I guess I would say, yeah. first of all, thank you both. You're so honest mm-hmm. and so real. I, I can't imagine anybody listening wouldn't feel that. So thank you. And what I always close with, which is please go be kind, go be real, talk to your friends, do something, help somebody. Let's, let's just be real. If you like what you're hearing, do me a favor, go on to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast, or even better, write us a review. We need to keep these real conversations coming.